I, I want to talk about this process of enjoying the journey because uh, if there's one thing I think that I've experienced a lot in my life is I've gone through a lot of, I don't want to necessarily say challenging things, although some, I've definitely had challenging times in my life, but uh, I've definitely gone through a lot of funny scenarios. Like I've had funny things happen to me really through every walk of life. And, and so as the Lord really has been, you know, talking to me about this concept of learning what it feels like to enjoy the journey. You know, did you know that you can enjoy every single day of your life? It's not just like, you know, we're not like living for Friday, but we can enjoy every single day of our life that God has. I mean, I love the scripture. And, you know, if you ever pray with me in the mornings, uh, you'll know that almost every time I pray, I recite the scripture that this is the day the Lord has made. So I will rejoice and be glad in it. That there, is, that there is something to rejoice in, but it's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice to wake up every day and acknowledge the good things that God is doing in your life. Because I tell you something, when you start to acknowledge the good things that God has done and that he's doing in your life, it's not long before you find yourself starting to rejoice. Like it, when you start to think about it, you realize that there's a lot more good going on in your life than there is bad. Now, maybe you're not at the best, okay? Because we're all going for the best. But I feel like if we would spend our mornings and our days and our, give our focus and attention to what's going right rather than what's going wrong, we would find ourselves easy to, it would be easy to rejoice, but also it would be so enjoyable to go along this journey. So, you know, as I was thinking about and, and thinking about, like I said, the different funny things that I've, that I've gone on through my life, um, you know, one of the most significant times in my life was about seven years ago, uh, just before my ber 25th birthday, I went to Africa. And this was kind of one of those moments. I don't know if you've ever had those moments. Like, I would like to call it like the near-death experience, okay? Now, even though it wasn't exactly near-death, it was like one of those moments in my life, okay? It, I could look back at that and tell you that my life as a result of it changed course, and I'm going in a different direction. But I remember you know, vividly flying into Africa, and you know, you're really excited to go to Africa until you get to Africa, right? I mean, you're like, yeah, we're going to Africa. And I remember like I'm getting my shots and I'm doing the thing and I'm stoked literally until the moment you fly into the airport and you feel like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, you know, when they say Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. Okay. That was how I felt. So I remember, um, yeah. And anybody who's gone to like third world countries and things like that, you know what I'm talking about. But I remember the moment when I got there, uh, you know, we got into the truck and, you know, we were driving. And if you've ever been to Africa, you know that you kind of like drive and then you drive some more, and then you drive some more, and some more, and some more. And then after you've driven some more after that, then you get to your destination. And really, it's only the first like five minutes of the drive that you drive on pavement. Every, you know, it's like they tease you. When you leave the airport, they're like, yeah, we're totally civilized here. You drive for five minutes, and then you hit the, you know, you hit the real roads, which is basically like dust and dirt and potholes and just nothing nice to drive on. And I remember, you know, I, I'm kind of coaching myself for this process that I get there. You know, we, we finally leave the asphalt and, you know, we, we hit the real Africa, you know, the red clay of Africa. And, and to be honest with you, you know, it sounds very magical, but it was actually really annoying. 
You know, I had just found out that the air conditioning on our truck had broken literally just before we got there. And so you're hot and you're sweaty. You know, you have to wear pants there because it's proper. It was just a very uncomfortable experience. Uh, and so the result of that was that, you know, we had to, cr- to roll down the windows, okay? Now, it seems like a really great idea to roll down your windows, but it's not long before the dirt is flying in your face and in your eyes and your clothes are filthy. And so, you know, you kind of, you get this nice balance between like, I'm sweating so bad I'm going to die that with, the, with the windows rolled up to, you know, I'm actually comfortable with the windows that rolled down. So you kind of get to this nice happy medium, which is kind of like the tiniest of tiny cracks and you have your mouth up to it and you're kind of you know, trying to breathe in the fresh air. And, and so we're driving down the road, and this is happening to me. But, you know, I'm reminding myself, like, I'm in Africa, right? Like, what did I expect it to be like here? I knew what I was getting into. And, you know, finally, I start relaxing. You know, I'm embracing the fact that this is what the next 30 days of my life is going to look like. You know, and I'm coaching myself through it, saying, you know, Alex, you can do this. You know, it hasn't even got bad at this point. I mean, it was easy compared to what I was about to experience like days later. But, you know, driving down the dirty street was troubling to me. And so I'm coaching myself, you know, Alex, you can do this. And, and as I'm literally in the middle of coaching myself, Alex, you can do this, in through the window flies a giant hissing cockroach, and it lands right on my chest. Now, you have to understand, I'm used to cockroaches. We've gone to Florida, you know, a little bit. And, you know, when somebody says cockroaches, I think of, you know, quarter-sized cockroaches. Okay, this thing was not quarter-sized at all. Like, we're talking about five inches long. Like, it's like picking a brick off of your chest. This thing is like, and to mention, it doesn't just sit there so you can kind of pet it. It's hissing at you. So in this moment, I'm freaked out, I'm dirty, I'm sweating, I'm hot. There's a hissing cockroach that might as well be a T-Rex on my chest, and I'm absolutely flipping out, okay? Now, you have to understand, I'm a full-grown, you know, tough, strong adult male. And so naturally in that moment, I did what a tough, strong adult male does. I screamed like a child. (laughs) And to make it worse... Uh, You know, everybody that I was in the car with who are seasoned Africa veterans, they were all laughing at me. And, you know, so I'm having this moment. um, And finally, as I'm going through this, they, you know, they speak these three magic words to me. You know, rest in peace. No, not rest in peace. They say these magic words to me. They said to me, yeah, there you go. Okay, that's horrifying. Literally, it's burned in my mind. Okay, that was on me. That's like, and they hiss loud. And you don't know what to do. You literally like, oh my, oh, the feeling was like the worst. Okay, anyways, go to Africa. It's awesome, right? <laughs> no. So they, they, they finally, it is amazing. I'm totally just kidding. That's what I said. That's why I started off by saying it changed my life. Um, but you know, they spoke these three words to me. They said, you know, Alex, just shake it off. Um, and, um, you know, and I think that, you know, as I was thinking about this and thinking about this story in my own life, um, I realized that each of us are driving down our proverbial roads in life. We're, we're all going somewhere, 
And, you know, some of us, you know, maybe you're like, you know, easy and comfortable, you know, 75 with your windows rolled down with the air conditioning on, you know, it's just a, a nice drive at this point in your life. And some of you feel like, you know, maybe you're like you're in Africa and you're driving down the road and it's hot and it's sweaty and you got cockroaches all over you and you're incredibly uncomfortable and you just hate where you are. Every single one of us is driving down the road somewhere. We're all going somewhere in life. I think that's why we have such a heart for this ministry and why we love being here is that we've come to the understanding that God is taking us on a journey. And whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, you know, I, I feel like we could all say this resoundingly that we're in. And so I think that I guess the, I've given up on trying to get all of my roads to be easy because I know that the scripture tells me that it's the challenging times in my life that develop the character that I need to be the man that I need to be in order to fulfill my destiny. And so I've given up trying to get things to be easy because nowhere do I read in scripture that it's supposed to be easy. But what I have realized in scripture is it tells me that as I go through the midst of trying and difficult times that I can enjoy the process. I think that sometimes where we go wrong in Christianity is we think that the moment that we accept Jesus into our heart, it means that everything is going to be, you know, rainbows and butterflies. But I tell you, Jesus, who was our example, didn't experience rainbows and butterflies when he was sweating blood in the garden. But that didn't mean that there wasn't grace and power and, and, and enjoyment even in order to get to the place where he succeeded on the road that God had him to walk. And so as I began thinking about this, I realized the number one thing I think that I could tell you this evening is that you are not alone. Amen. That no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're, what's going on in your life, no matter what situations or circumstances you may find yourself in, there are other people probably in this room right now that have experienced and gone through or are walking through that very same thing. I think that sometimes what the enemy likes to try and make us feel is that we're alone in the midst of our situations. But I tell you something, the question that each of us need to answer in our life is how do we enjoy the journey that we're walking on? How do I wake up every single day and enjoy what's happening in my life? Um, and, and, and when we look at Paul in Acts 28, this is the, the main scripture that we're gonna read, we see that Paul in his life faced a very similar example to this. Paul was proverbially walking down the road on the journey to his destiny in Acts chapter 28, uh, but his road was a little bit different. You know, I would say that, you know, Paul wasn't driving down the road at this point. He was being dragged down the road. And he wasn't being down, dragged down the road in Africa. He was probably being dragged down the road somewhere in the middle of hell. Okay, because his life was seriously horrible at this point in time. I mean, if we look at Acts chapter 8 or Acts chapter 28 uh, or a few chapters before, we realize that where he is in this moment, he had just been arrested because of lies that people who were previous to this point in his life, who were his friends, his friends had lied about him. And the result of it was it, he was put in jail. Then to make it worse, he goes before the court, and the court finds out that he's innocent, but because of politics, they don't free him. Then we find him in, in this moment in Acts chapter 28, they stick him on a ship with a whole bunch of other passengers, or a whole bunch of other prisoners, and they sail him off to Rome, where he's basically going to go and live out this sentence in prison somewhere. 
Now, he spends, the scripture says, he spends months at sea, and he has no friends or family on the ship. He has little to eat. To boot, right, they get, into the, they get into a storm, and in order to survive the storm, they have to dump all their gear overboard, okay? Now, everybody hates when you get to a location and your baggage is lost, right? Like, that's the worst thing. Imagine having to go into an airplane and throw your luggage out of the airplane and know that not only will you get it like three or four days late, but chances are you'll never get your stuff again. So Paul is having a seriously rough day at this point. And then to make things worse, he experiences a shipwreck. So I'm telling you, at this point, you know, just reading through, you know, three chapters, I realized something very significant. My problems aren't really that big of problems, okay? I've never been, you know, sentenced to prison. I've never been shipwrecked. I've never had my clothing and everything thrown out of an airplane. So I realized right away that if Paul had the ability to walk through these different journeys in his life, if he understood something in order to get to the place where he could enjoy every moment of his life, so could I. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, so can you. It doesn't matter what you're going through today, what you're dealing with, there is a way for you to discover how to enjoy even the most challenging situations. And so we meet Paul in Acts chapter 28 at this moment, and uh, uh, what happens is, is, is all the, the guards were going to kill all the prisoners, but because the one head guard liked Paul so much, basically he allowed all the prisoners to live and basically said, if you can find your way to shore, like, that's fine, we're not going to kill you. And so in Acts chapter 28, we meet up with Paul after who knows how long he had been swimming for in order to get to some island, and he finally lands on the island of Malta. And it says in Acts chapter 28 that the people of Malta, they were so nice, okay? And so this would totally be a breath of fresh air, right? Like you've been lied to, betrayed, you've been thrown in jail, you've lost your stuff, you've been shipwrecked, you've had to swim on that to find somewhere, and finally you get somewhere, and it's like, these people are just nice. It says that like they went and they wanted to build a fire for Paul, you know? And, you know, they're all singing kumbaya and roasting marshmallows on, and they're just having a gay old time. Okay, and then so Paul, you know, he, he sees that all the, you know, what I would call the Maltonians, we'll call them Maltonians for now. The Maltonians, you know, he sees them and they're going all, the Maltese, Maltese works too. That's like a dog. I, I, I'm going to go with Maltonians. It sounds stronger than Maltese. I feel like, I see like the little poodle, like, oh, good little guy. Yeah, she is. Okay, um, and so, you know, Paul is seeing these people from Malta and they're all collecting, you know, sticks and logs and whatever to build this fire. And Paul being the good guy, the servant that he is, he decides, well, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to give these guys some service. And the scripture says, I think it's around Acts chapter 5, that he bends, or, or, or 28 verse 5, he bends over and goes to pick up some sticks. And don't you know it, a snake bites him in the arm. So here we go. He's been lied about. He's been betrayed. He's been thrown in jail. He's been on a ship. He's lost his stuff. He's got no friends, no family, no food. He's been shipwrecked. He had to swim all night to get to an island. And finally, when things start to turn around, he gets bit by a poisonous snake. And, okay, like, it's like, oh, my God. And this is just one encounter with Paul. Like, this is, this is just like, oh, weekend at Paul's house, right? It's like, this, is, this guy's got a challenging life. Um, and it says that the snake that bit him wasn't, like, kind of poisonous, but it was so poisonous that it says that they stood around and basically waited for him to die. 
Like it, was some, it wasn't like, you know, maybe in three or four days from now you might die. It was like they're all like staring at him, waiting for this guy to drop dead because this is how poisonous these snakes were. And, you know, then they start accusing him of all these thieves. You know, you're a murderer, you're a liar, basically thinking this is God's vengeance on Paul. And so, you know, he has a brief reprieve of difficulty only to be met with a whole bunch of difficulty. And, and but I love what happens in this moment is, is Paul is interacting with this snake and, and, and Paul says this, you know, this very profound, he has this very profound moment. In 28 verse 5, it says this, that he shook off the snake. Turn to your neighbor and say, shake it off. You see, let me tell you something. I'm convinced of one thing, that if we would learn how to shake things off, we wouldn't have to fight nearly as many battles as we find ourselves fighting. I mean, when we take a look at Jesus, I love this example. When we take a look at Jesus, and as he's walking through the wilderness, you know, he gets called of God. He has this amazing moment where he gets baptized, and the heavens open up, and a voice from heaven proclaims over him, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And after this great, grandiose moment, what Jesus goes into the wilderness, I tell you something, Jesus learned how to shake it off. When the enemy came to Jesus, I had this crazy epiphany in this moment. Like when, when the enemy came to Jesus and tempted him, you know, he grabs a stone and he says like, you know, Jesus, turn this stone into bread. I'm thinking to myself, sometimes I don't have any context for it, but I realized, wait a minute, like the scripture had just told me that Jesus was hungry. Like his emotions were telling him, this is a good idea. I tell you something, but what gave Jesus his victory was he understood how to, regardless of his emotions, regardless of what he was feeling, regardless of what seemed logical or a good idea, he understood how to shake off the lies of the enemy. When we take a look at David going after Goliath, you know, he meets with Saul and he's sitting in his tent and Saul basically tells David, what? This is a death wish. Like there's no way that you could possibly do anything. We take a look at Gideon as he's hiding behind the wine press. We take a look at Daniel. I mean, this guy who literally gets thrown into a den of lions. You think your day was bad. But I tell you something, the success that every single one of these people understood was how to shake off the lies of the enemy from what they were experiencing in their life. Let me tell you something, anything that you experience that does not directly line up with the word of God is a lie from the enemy. And you have the right not to live under it, but to simply like Paul, shake it off. I tell you something, it requires us not to live based off our emotions. Now, this is something in our, in our culture. I was just having a conversation. Oh, Jason, we drove f- so far away last night. And we were talking about, it was good bro time, so we talked about a lot of things. But one of the things that we talked about was how our culture is so motivated and driven by emotions. We have this, it's almost like this universal law that, you know, if it feels right for me, then it's right. I tell you something, I think that that methodology, that I- I- idea has found its way into the church where we can experience things and see things and feel things and we can give them more validity than the word of God. That we can see sickness and disease, we can see frustration, we can see no way out. And because we can't see a way out, we forget that we've been given the right to shake it off. Like when God was in the garden in the beginning with Adam, he created Adam and, and, and created everything around Adam and said what? Subdue it and take dominion. 
You see, that is our position in life. But unless we understand what it feels like to shake off the lives of the enemy, that when he comes to me and he says things, that I'm just actively and violently shaking those things off. What? I find myself constantly living under and beneath the things that the enemy is able to speak to me. You see, let me tell you, the cockroach of life may be on your arm. You know, the snake of your situation may have sunk his teeth into your hands. But I'm here to tell you something. It's not over. It's not over. It doesn't matter how bad it seems. I mean, when they looked at Paul, I mean, this was the end. This was the end of his life. This was the end of his moment. I mean, they're literally standing waiting for Paul to just keel over and die. But what Paul understood, that what was in him was greater than what was on him. You see, sometimes we can feel like what's on us, the situation, the weight, the problems, the pain, we can feel like what's on us is greater than what's in us. But the scripture says it simply, greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. It says the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living, active, residing on the inside of us. I'm here to tell you something this evening, that it doesn't matter what it looks like. What matters is what the word says about your situations. There is nothing, the Bible says, that Jesus has been given the name that's above every name. That means it's above the name of cancer and poverty and depression. It's above the name of fear and worry. It doesn't matter who is trying to exalt their self above you. Jesus has been given the name that's above every name. And so when we realize these things, that it's, it's not about how we feel. I mean, Jesus was hungry when he was tempted to go after, to grab onto the lie of the enemy. But Jesus understood simply how to take, to lay aside how he was feeling in that moment. Paul understood what it felt like to step outside of the moment, to step outside of the frustration. I mean, don't you think that Paul would have wanted to finally, you know, you know sometimes you feel like that. Like he's thinking, you know, the snake bit me and he's like, thank God it's over right? Like, I'm done with this. Like, Lord, take me to heaven. This is, but what Paul understood, he understood how to separate himself away from the emotion because he knew the authority that was in him in order to change whatever he was going through. The enemy loves to lie to us to make us feel like we're weaker than the situation that we're in. I mean, that's the reality of what the people of Malta thought about life. They thought they were under the situations, but Paul came, and the reason he did such amazing things in Malta was because Paul understood that he was, the God in him was greater than any situation that was around him. You see, if we, if we want to shake it off, we cannot listen to our thoughts or our emotions. The moment you start listening to your negative thoughts and your negative emotions, it strips from you your ability to shake it off. Because I'll tell you something, bad emotions and bad thoughts, they're always based in some sort of logic. You know, you can always logic yourself into a bad mood. You can, I, I tell you, I could do it right now. I could give you 10 reasons why right now in my life, at this very moment, I should be in a bad mood. And I, I, seriously, and I feel like sometimes what we have to understand is that I'm above. I'm above all those things. I'm above the problems. I'm above the situations. And so we see that we can't listen. Thanks, Olivia. We understand that we can't live based off of our emotions. 
Because to shake it off is a violent response. A lot of the times what our emotions and our negative thoughts come to do is they come to try to pacify us. I mean, how often have you had the thought, there's nothing you could do about it? I'm not strong enough. What could I do to change this? I'm just one man. <laughs> this beats somebody else. There's no cure. There's no hope. What emotions, negative thoughts, they come to pacify us to make us feel like there's just nothing that we can do. But with Paul, he understood something. He understood that in order to respond, the response had to be violent. He noticed that he didn't try to, you know, he didn't try to, you know, negotiate with the snake. Now snake, you know, I'm Paul. And I'm called of God. Right? We, don't, we don't see him doing that. I, I'm so convinced of that, that if Paul didn't know how to respond to the snake, that the snake would have killed him. I mean, I'm convinced of that. If he would have just, you know, laid down, like, oh, I'm feeling so weak now. Oh, it's, it's over. I see the light. Oh. I'm convinced that Paul's end would have been a little bit different than what it was. But he understood how to attack. He understood what it felt like to go on the offense against the enemy. And so I began to think this question to myself. And Liz, you could play because I'm almost done. I began to think about this concept in my head because one of the things that I, and, and I'm going to go back to the beginning of where I was, is, is, is I ask myself this question all the time. How can I discover and find enjoyment in, in every day of everything that I'm going through? Because I tell you something, one thing, and I'm sure that you find yourself in the same boat as me, is I'm, I'm done with, you know, the, the emotional roller coasters. You know, like I'm done with my situations being able to dictate how I feel. I'm through allowing my circumstances to tell me whether or not the scripture is true. I'm done with consulting my bank account to tell me whether prosperity is the truth. I'm not asking my thermometer anymore whether God wants me to be healthy. Whether or not I want to get out of bed in the morning does not dictate to me who I am and how I feel. I'm over allowing my situations to be able to determine how I feel about my life because I realize the Bible says it like this, this is the day the Lord has made, so I will, what, shake it off. I will rejoice. I will, it's a choice. And so I ask myself this, how do I remain in this place of enjoyment? And the very first thing is, you have to choose to shake it off. Let me tell you, it's a choice to shake off the snake. It was a choice to flick off the cockroach. It's a choice to get out of your bed in the morning. It's a choice to do the right thing. It's a choice to pursue the word. It's a choice to have relationship with Christ. It's a choice that each of us make every single day. You see, we have to not allow situations to cause us to give up or to fall over. I remember this, is when I played hockey, this was a very common term in sports. I'm sure if you played sports, you know this, that you know something bad will happen to you and they'll what? You know, your coach will grab you, pull you aside and he'll say what? Shake it off, shake it off. 
You know, you get hit from behind. That used to happen to me a lot. It was unfortunate. And what, you'd kind of skate back to the bench and you're bummed. Because you know you're young. And there's that thing in you that someone's to be taken care of. And so you know, you're kind of like, ugh. You're like, actually hurt your neck, but for some reason your leg is dragging. You're like, ugh. You know, you're just looking to be taken care of. And what happens? Your coach comes to you. Your coach comes to you and he's what? He just kind of like shakes you, you know, or he like rubs your shoulders. He's like, just gotta shake it off. Just shake it off. But what? It's a choice. You know, one of the things that you can, you can tell it and I can tell it is when somebody has either shook it off or they're just saying they shook it off. How do you know if I'm a hockey player, I'm a 13-year-old, you know whether I shook it, or, uh, shook it off or not by how aggressive I was. Am I just sitting back? Am I just waiting for something to happen or am I going at it? It's evident in your life whether you have chosen to shake it off or not. I remember there was this goalie, right? I, I would say his name, he's burned it in my brain because I hated when he was my goalie, okay? Because he had this thing, he didn't know how to shake it off. And so he had this thing where if you scored two goals on him, remember this guy? If you scored two goals on him, you might as well, you know, you might as well have pulled the goalie because he was gonna do you no good, why? Because he didn't understand how to shake off the negative emotions. And so whether he knew it or not, his emotional state was changing his life. And so often we walk around under something that Jesus 2,000 years ago already purchased your victory for. And so we have to choose to keep fighting it off. You see, that means even when you want to, even when it feels good, because sometimes it feels good to pull the covers over your head. I'm sure it would have felt good for Paul to just like, this is it, I'm out, peace. Right? Sometimes it feels good to feel bad. Sometimes it makes sense. It's logical to close your heart. It's logical not to hope anymore. It's logical not to trust people. But what, we have a choice. I choose, will I shake it off? You know, you hear so many people, yeah, but this, yeah, but that, yeah, but Creflo Dollar says it best. You gotta get your butt out of the way. Why, because there's nothing that's worth the victory that Christ has for you. You see, Paul had to choose to shake it off. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, had to choose to shake it off. David, when he left the tent of Saul, had to choose to shake it off. Gideon, when he came out from behind the wine press, he had to choose to shake it off. Daniel, as he's sitting in the lion's den, had to choose to shake it off. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they got thrown in the fiery furnace, they had to choose to shake it off. All the disciples at different times in their life had to choose to shake it off. We are no different. We have to learn what it feels like to shake it off. And number two, you have to choose to keep it off. You see, you can't just shake it off. You gotta choose to keep it off. I love how it says in the scripture that Paul didn't just shake off the snake. You know what Paul did? He went over to the fire and shook it off over the fire. Why? Because he knew if I just shake this thing off in the grass, what's gonna happen? Well, it's gonna bite my leg, you know? Oh, it's gonna bite me in the whatever, the stomach, it's gonna get me again. You see, when we choose to shake it off, 
we also make the conscious decision to choose to keep it off. Sometimes the easiest place for us to fall is the place that we fell last time. It's challenging to get depressed the first time, but the second time, it's, it's a little easier. It's, e it's hard to get sick the first time, but the second time, it's a little bit easier. But what we realize, I, I have to choose every day in every moment whether I feel the emotion, whether I don't feel the emotion, whether it seems right or doesn't seem right, I choose to shake it off. Because you see, we got to be like Jesus when he was in the wilderness. The enemy comes to him and tempts him and says, what, turn this bread, turn this stone into bread. And what happened? It says, Jesus shook it off. But you know that pesky devil? What does he do? He comes back again. And he says, all this, the world is mine. The kingdoms and everything are mine. And if you just bow to me, you can have it all. And what does Jesus do? He shakes it off. But you know, a third time, the enemy comes to him and says, you know, go to the top of this mountain and this place and jump off. And, you know, the angel, I know that's such a dumb one, right? I'm thinking like, it's definitely not one you can tempt me with. You know, you got no parachute. You should just jump. Yeah, I know, Maybe. Maybe I'll make you fly. Then I'd be like, I'd be the idiot. I'd be like, ah! Right. Okay. But this is the thing is it's not just once. It's not just twice. It's not just three times. It's you shake it off and you keep it off every time the thoughts come. Because you know, one of the things that I realized was this. Is that as soon as, as long as we keep fighting, the enemy just leaves. I love the scripture. It says it like this, that... The enemy is like a roaring lion, and he's out seeking for lows that he can devour. It sounds bad, but I'm actually going somewhere good with this. You know what I realized? It was like what happened to Jesus, I think, in the, as he's walking through the wilderness. Is the enemy was out seeking, looking to devour Jesus. But what happens? Just like a lion roaming, looking to devour something, eventually it's gonna figure out that this thing can't be devoured. You see, I think that that's what happens to us, is that even when it feels like we should be negative, even when it feels like I should, you know, fall down, even when it feels like I should give up, what I don't simply because I want to portray on the outside the image that I can't be devoured, right? And so even, I mean, it's like they say when you meet, I think it's a black bear or a grizzly, I can't remember. Don't follow my advice because I don't remember which bear it is. There's one bear that you're supposed to curl and huddle and pretend you're dead. And there's another one you're supposed to seem big. But I think that what happens is, let's say the black bear, right? They say with a black bear, if you ever meet a black bear, what you're supposed to do, what is it? Who? Humpback bear? Oh, I've never heard of a humpback. What is it? Black bear, fetal, grizzly, run away. Okay, anyways, you're killing my vibe here, people. You're like, actually, that's not true. Yeah. For this is true. All bears, you just stand and fight. Okay, there's my advice to you. But this is the thing that I've discovered, is that even when I feel weak, 
even when I feel like I could be devoured, in the face of the enemy, I puff myself up and I act like I'm bigger because I realize that I found the secret of the enemy. That if I can just convince him that I can't be devoured like Jesus in the wilderness, he will leave me alone eventually. The problem is sometimes what we do, you know, is we're like the me playing hockey. We're dragging our leg. What? And we're showing the enemy that we're weak. And so he's saying, oh baby, it's lunch today. But what do I do? Even if I feel like he bit my leg off yesterday, you know, I'm walking tall, I'm walking strong, because I realize, wait a minute, as long as he doesn't understand that I can be devoured, I'm guaranteed to win. You see, Jesus didn't have to fight. All he had to do was show that the enemy couldn't devour him. And the scripture says, he left and what angels came and ministered to Jesus. I tell you something, sometimes we spend so much time fighting against the enemy that we forget that our position in Christ is to be ministered to by the angels. We spend all of our time, all of our effort, all of our energy on the fight instead of realizing that's not my place. My place is to stand strong, shake it off, and let heaven minister to me. And so I want to do that this evening. We can just maybe close our eyes. I just want to lead us through a prayer. Because I feel like, I'm not sure if this resonates with you, but I know that it's what the Lord has been speaking to me about for a while, and so I'm sure that it does. And, and if that's you, if you would say that, you know, you've, you've been challenged to shake it off. that you've been finding yourself stuck in negative emotions, negative thoughts, negative behaviors. I just wanna do this. I just want you to get a picture of that situation that you're going through in your mind. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's physical, maybe it's in your emotions. And I want you to simply say this, say, Jesus, Tell me the truth. the truth of who you are. 